Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Mayfair Theatre Podcast. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh, and uh, we're going to be chatting about August 26th through September 1st. Mm-hmm. And it actually is August 26th as we record this, because our hectic schedules delayed a few days to get this out promptly. But uh, we'll be chatting about stuff coming out uh, this week, and it should be up online uh, today, August 26th, mm-hmm. if you're listening to it right away. Uh, we have four new films this week. We just wrapped up a week of a couple encores with um, Cafe Society and Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, both of which were 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 well praised and kind of crowd favorites here at the Mayfair. I think they both did well for two weeks, and uh, so we have four new ones coming up right now. We have so which of these are Ottawa premieres? We have two Ottawa premieres. One is In Order of Disappearance. Starring Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård of the Skarsgård clan. Yeah, the, the, the Skarsgård acting dynasty. For most kind of mainstream audiences, probably know him at the moment as being part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as in uh, Thor and yes. the Avengers movies. Uh, of course, he's a decades-old respected character actor who's been in all kinds of stuff. Yeah, Goodwill Hunting and... He's one of those actors that, if you're playing Doug Loves movies, you feel bad because you forget that he's in 50 movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, this one, uh, not only does the trailer look cool, it's a rarity of the poster looking cool. Which It's you, got, yeah, a really cool 70s style poster. This yeah. is like a revenge thriller that's being compared to um, Death Wish and uh, it's like Death Wish meets Fargo. Yeah, I've heard it's kind of, yeah, definitely in the, the it's... It's like a Norwegian mm-hmm. version of a Coen's brother movie. Yeah. So I think Black it, comedy. it's, uh, you know, might have a little bit of blood and guts in it, but also laugh out loud comedy in it. Yeah. And yeah, it looks really good. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Uh, that starts on Saturday, August 27th. And yeah, like it's funny because sometimes something gets praise and then that praise just gets repeated over and over and over again. And multiple reviews are pretty much saying, it's the Norwegian Fargo. Yeah. So, like, somebody thought of that first, and then every critic kind of jumped on the bandwagon yeah. and just said the same thing. But, so, yeah, that's an Ottawa premiere coming this week. So, he's, he plays, he's like a snowplow driver. Yeah. And his son is killed. He's, he was involved in, like, the underworld. And so then he goes after the, the mob bosses. Yeah. And, yeah, so very, very akin to, yeah, those, like, 1970s, Revenge, Charles Bronson, Clint Eastwood kind of things. Yeah. Of and especially in this case is funny because, especially in the eighties, it seemed to it seemed to switch. Like in the seventies, it was a little bit more the everyman. Uh, yeah. Well, hero. the first Death Wish movie was really more of a drama. He's yeah. this um, well-to-do architect, Charles Bronson, and uh, he's you know a pacifist, and then you know his wife is killed his daughter's raped and then he buys a gun and yeah and turned in, <laughs> turns into a vigilante recently i watched all the death wishes fairly near together um well the fir- like like i said the first one's pretty serious yeah like it's like a character study of this guy just falling apart yeah and uh two part two three four and five are like you know rambo <laughs> and they're just they just delve into this mess of 
if the first one had some semblance of reality yeah. of a guy has a horrible thing happen to him and goes for revenge. And like I said, I kind of watched them near together, so it's a little bit of a blur. But by the time you get to like four, each new girlfriend or best friend or, or son or daughter figure he has is killed or raped or horrible things happen to them. Like, each one. It's, yeah. It, it's like... In the second one, he's got... Well, no, in the second one, his daughter's killed. Yeah. Um, but his girlfriend... He, he always has a new girlfriend in all of them. Yeah. Um, his girlfriend in part two is, was played by his wife uh, in real life, Jill, Jill St. John. She doesn't get killed. Right. Probably because Charles Bronson was like, you're not killing off yeah, my wife. Yeah. But in, like, the other ones, he's got a girlfriend and... And they all take place... In a relative time frame, like a relatively close time frame to each yeah. other. They're not like 10 years apart, each one. So within like eight months, he's had this horrible year. And it's just, so like that was the same. And he doesn't seem too affected no, by it. No, no. <coughs> and then in the 80s, you had <coughs> your Arnold Schwarzeneggers and Stallones and Bruce Willis, who was a bit of an everyman, but you kind of had your action heroes. Yeah. And then now, decades later in the 2010s, it's, it's an interesting of, like, it's kind of old guys kicking ass. Yeah. And I don't know who brought this back. I don't know if Liam Neeson started it, but... I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, well, Taken was such a surprise hit that that became a formula for him. Yeah. And where even, he became the older, you know, the middle-aged uh, avenging angel. But, I mean, even when Charles Bronson did the first Death Wish, he wasn't he, he was a young guy. Old, he was, yeah. like, late 40s. And then by the time he got to the last one, he was... He was, like, 90. Yeah. <laughs> It's like that joke on The Simpsons, like, yeah. Death Wish 6. Ay, 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 I wish I was dead. And it, it's, so now with, with you know, Stellan Skarsgård, who, who is, is in his 50s, I would say. And, yeah, same kind of and idea. And Liam Neeson doing the same movie over and over again. Uh, yeah, so it's this interesting, like, older guy action hero that's kind of on our screens now, both in independent and mainstream movies, because this is a... You know, like I said, this is the Ottawa premiere of In Order of Disappearance, mm-hmm. and it's from Norway, and yep. so not exactly a mainstream kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, really high praise, and uh, yeah, looking for if, if it lives up to any of its kind of Fargo claims even a bit, I'll be yeah, happy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's one of my favorite movies. Uh, so the other Ottawa premiere we have this week is Lo and Behold, which is the latest documentary from... Uh, one of my favorite people on earth. Yeah. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. He should, uh, like Morgan Freeman, he should narrate everything. Everything. And I can't, I really fell in love with him more in his kind of documentary age. I admit, yeah. I've seen some of his madman, you know, fictional classics. Yeah, like Fitzcarraldo and uh, Aguirre the Wrath of God are great. He, yeah, and but he's not on screen on those. No. But somewhere along the lines, he became the the narrator of these documentaries, the director of these documentaries. And they're all about subjects that, if done by anybody else, could be a pretty middle-of-the-road middle stand, yeah. Yeah, talking head documentary, whether it be about, about prison or the internet. Um, they just kind of, they always take these like left turns and he ends up talking about real existential things or alligators or something like that. Yeah. So this documentary is about the evolution of the internet for better or for worse. Yeah. And he narrates it, and uh, just from the trailer, you see that he's talking to 
people who are off the grid, people who look at the internet as evil. Yeah. But at the same time, he'll go and be talking to like Tibetan monks who have Wi-Fi. Yeah. So it's a very interesting time we're in that this documentary is looking at. And like I said, just with Werner narrating it, it just makes it better. Yeah. I just love him. He was just on Conan. I I put the link on our Facebook, even though I think ctv.ca lets you look at a show for about a week. Yeah. So I I put that on in case people wanted to look at it because I I couldn't find – there wasn't a a, a YouTube clip of just the interview. But Conan interviewed Werner, and it's just great. Like, he's weird because he could be this kind of – pompous, know-it-all film school And he's guy, not. But he's, he's not, he's, yeah. He's, you know, kind of eccentric and uh, a little weird, but he does have kind of a down-to-earth-ness yeah. to him. And he was talking about how he dislikes a lot of film schools because it's students wasting... Well, he's doing that master class. Yeah. yeah. And he said it's students wasting tens of thousands of dollars. And he said in the classes he teaches, it's like he teaches people how to, like fake IDs and pick locks and stuff like yeah. that, which is amazing. Because he said, those are the skills that I used making films. Yeah. Was, and he's telling you got to live in the real world a little bit. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, there's endless stories about him in Hollywood saving actors from car crashes and just, just, and then that he'll just show up in a Tom Cruise movie as a villain. So he really has this sense of like, yeah, he'll do stuff. Yeah. He has this sense of like, oh, that'll be fun. I'll do stuff, you know? Uh, so the, I mean, as soon as we had the trailer for this movie, I was excited. Just as mm-hmm. soon as I just hear his voice, I just, yeah. so yeah, so that's, that's a real, that if, if there is a pick of the week, that's my pick of the week of, of this Werner, Werner Herzog movie, which I'm coming to see tonight at the Mayfair for its Ottawa premiere. Uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, so that's our two premieres this week. Then we have two, uh, foreign films. Uh, the first, Our Little Sister. Japanese film. It's a Japanese film. Uh, it's interesting because it's funny how people always talk about excuse me their and any genre that's big horror films, superhero movies right now. I'm sure back in the day, westerns before they went away, musicals. Mm-hmm. So right now, people there's despite them still making a bazillion dollars, there are a sect of the movie population, movie going public, who are like, oh, I'm tired of comic book movies. Mm-hmm. And saying comic book movie is kind of this like broad stroke that I've never liked because it's kind of like when you say animation is a genre. Yeah. And I'm like, no, comedy is a genre. Uh, uh, drama is a genre. Western is a genre. But animation is like, does that mean like Fritz the Cat and A Bug's Life are the same thing? Like, yeah. You know? So this is, it's a... a looks like a nice kind of light-hearted drama yeah. about three adult sisters who at their deadbeat father's funeral find out that they have a teenaged half-sister. And that's kind of where the story picks up. What interests me about it, being a comic book nerd, is it's actually based on a, a very popular uh, manga comic from Japan. So it's not something you might associate with comic books. You know, there's no superheroes, there's no monsters, there's no anything. It's, it's a drama. So... That interests me, to see that translated to the screen, because comic books, at their best, translate so well, because a a comic book script looks like a movie script. Storyboards look like comic book panels. So, so yeah, so that's... uh, And and it's won a ton of awards, Mm -hmm. uh, especially over in Japan. Uh, The 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 Japanese, awards of the Japanese Academy. Yeah, like it it won half a dozen and was nominated for another half a dozen on top of that. And uh, so that's like... 
Japan's Oscars. It won a ton of awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so that's an interesting film. Uh, so that's Japanese with English subtitles. Yes. As not dubbed. Not dubbed. <laughs> I, I can't even like. I don't think they really dub movies anymore. Not just really. Just, like that's a thing. Almost like, like do they, do they still censor swear words in movies? Because like. Well, when they play on television. But do they play on, like, because, you know, back in the... Yeah, like, when you watch, like, Casino on Bravo, or, yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll cut oh, out, they, yeah, or Spike like, TV or something, they'll cut out, you know, all oh, the F-words. That was always my big beef with Spike TV, not that I was, like, a card-carrying member, but yeah. you're supposed to be, like, man TV, which is kind of a horrible chauvinist thing to be anyhow. Well, they leave the violence in, I think. Yeah, but they take out, like, the swear, the words. swear words and the nudity, and I'm like... And then they're doing, <laughs> then... Uh, I don't know if they still do. Is Spike TV still even? I don't even oh, think God, it's around no anymore. Idea. Yeah, probably. I don't, I don't even, it might be done, but yeah. they would do, um, you know, infomercials for like boner pills at four in the morning, yeah. but they would cut out the swear words in That's casino. So Because, so. you know, it was like 20 years ago, there's all these funny stories of like, as part, contractually, Sam Jackson would have to go into a recording booth and record a bunch of tame words for the... And it's weird, because I don't know who screened it, but for the, the CTV broadcast of yeah. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And I remember in my youth, in, the, in watching something like, you know, Lethal Weapon on TV with commercials around Christmas time, and they would cut out all the violence and take out all the swear words. And so the gag would be that, oh, now it's like, you know, it's 70 minutes long instead of two hours long. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that was such a thing nowadays. But, yeah, dubbing, I remember it was a big deal... God, when was this, a decade ago for Crouching Tiger? Where, especially because a lot of the United States going... Well, yeah, people bitch about... They don't like reading. Well, I don't want to read subtitles. Yeah. But, so, like, if a movie's really good and you're really into it, I believe you'll, you'll get used to the subtitles or kind of even forget that they're there. Oh, yeah. Like, Whereas with dubbing, it's like, what, you want it to be like a kung fu movie where it's just, you know... Yeah. Well, like I just you get all watched, these goofy voices dubbing over the actors. I can't even think of the last time I saw a movie in a mainstream theater that was dubbed. Like me neither. I think it's like they stopped doing it in the '90s or something. But yeah, like, and you see them like even at their best, they just yeah they have the feel of a Godzilla movie. They they just don't. Yeah. It's so hard. Like I'm so impressed when you know actors have to uh, ADR um, additional what is it additional dialogue recording, recording yeah of their lines because they were filming on the New York streets and there was, you know, horns and stuff. So just that, like having to go in and watch your, yourself and like perfectly get the dialogue down again. Yeah. I've heard horror stories of that from actors just saying like sitting in this booth by yourself and trying to both do the task at hand and act, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and how hard that is. Um, and even now, I, I'm pretty sure the technology is at a point where... With animated movies, I think they just go in and switch the mouth movements around. Like, say if you're doing Toy Story 3, I'm not positive on this, but I'm, I think it's easier for them just to go in and actually just fix that. Oh, yeah. So sure. instead of just leaving it and, you know, watch it. Actually, you know, the last ones that were dubbed were probably some anime film we screened. I think maybe there was... Oh, yes, yeah. They, they get American actors to, yeah. to dub over... Couple of the Studio Ghibli movies, yeah, uh, where they get like some pretty A list talent, mm-hmm. and it's not bad. So they, because, I guess that helps it, yeah. sell like you know North America. Yeah, but it still it still looks a little off. But mm. yeah, every, people will ask like, oh, is it is it even like just working in the box office? People walk by and be like, oh, is it dubbed? And we're like, no, no, it's it's mm-hmm. subtitled. Uh, 
and I think I, I'm curious. I don't know if that's like an option. If when we get like the 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 DCP of it, when we get the the hard drive for the new films, is there like a oh this version is dubbed, this version is subtitled? I don't think it is. I've I think, never not that I know of. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. So so anyhow. So yeah. So uh, our little sister is indeed Japanese. Uh, <laughs> it is English indeed Japanese. Subtitles. Yes. Uh, another film uh, which is French with English subtitles is Up for Love, and this is a romantic comedy, uh, how do you pronounce his name, starring Jean Dujardin. 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 From The Artist. We're so horrible. We're so bad with French. Um, so yeah, so he got some play a few years back where kind of out of nowhere from a North American point of view, he won pretty much everything. Like, you look at on IMDb and it's like, he won the Oscar. He won the Golden Globe. He won the BAFTA. He won like he just he won at Cannes Film Festival. Everything. So he won like thirty awards for the artist, uh, yeah. which was a few years back. Yeah. And so, I think he's quite big in France, but he's kind of cooled down here. Nothing really caught on here. He he did a couple of films. Uh, he was in Monuments Men, if I remember correctly. He was in Wolf of Wall Street, I think. Oh, was he? I think so. I completely forget that. I yeah, I think he was. So he's doing some stuff like that. Doing some like. You know, ensemble work. And he did a movie called The Connection, which apparently, I haven't seen it, but it's like a, almost like a French connection kind oh, of. Oh, cool. Uh, it's about uh, the drug. Uh, and it's French? Like, yeah. Yeah. So over in France, he's like, I do believe he is their romantic guy right now. Like, he, he's mm. their movie well, he's a good star. looking. he's a good-looking cat. And in this one, it's so funny, because I didn't even notice at first, but it seems like they've, they, they have... Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, it, where he plays a four foot six tall man and he blind dates with a six foot two woman or something uh, like that. So that's the gag. That's why it's movie. called Up for Love because up, he's yes. looking up at her. So that's the horrible pun that is yeah. the title of the movie. But even just watching the trailer, I'm, I'm fascinated with Or they like, could have called it like Short Love. Short or, Love, yeah. yeah, short something. Tall Love, some other lame. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because it's, it's a movie that um, doesn't scream special effects. Like, there's no giant monsters or dinosaurs in it. Mm-hmm. But it's a, an effects-heavy movie because it means every scene, either they had to do an in-camera trick, or it seems like there's quite a few scenes where he's just walking down the street beside her where they had to, like, shrink her. Well, or shrink him, sorry. They could probably remake this, I don't know if they would... Yeah. Of uh, stateside with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is really short. Yeah. He, and he, most, he, most Hollywood actors really aren't that tall. I remember a few years back when he and... I like Tom Cruise a lot. Uh, but when he and Nicole Kidman split up and she, she blushed after doing so, but she made some joke that now she doesn't have to wear flats anymore. <laughs> because I think she's like... She's a tall woman. She's yeah. like six foot something. But I think it's like all actors, right? Like, yeah. Like... Stallone or, or Justin Hoffman or De Niro. Charles Bronson. Like, there, there were some actors like um, Alan Ladd who, who played Shane. He was really short. Yeah. And I don't know if it was him where, like, the, the other actor, say it was, like, Jack Palance or something, they would dig a little ditch yeah. for the actor, the taller actor to stand in. Yeah. Because these short actors, I guess they have that short man's insecurity, yeah. you know? And, and you'll kind of notice, like... If it's some movie where the guy and the girl are eye to eye and about to kiss and they're nose to nose, and then you notice like a little flaw in the movie later where they're walking together or something, and you're like, wait a minute, they're not the same height at all. So yeah, so it's them standing on boxes or yeah. something like that. 
So yeah, they could they could just remake this movie, N- knowing how quickly things get remade. If it is a successful movie, yeah, it's. I always think back to, and I always say like it's it's nothing new. Remakes are nothing new. Like anyone no, who thinks they're that, just weekly, they're on a weekly basis now. And I think we notice it more because of social media, people commenting on it. Yeah, but like. Um, Hollywood has always been unoriginal. Hollywood yeah. has always, but lately it's funny because you'll have something like. I remember when we screened "Let the Right One In," which great, was a great few, movie. A few years ago, it was early on in our Mayfair run, maybe like two thousand nine mm-hmm. or ten. Um, by the time we screened it, so you know, it, it took a couple months for it to get to us. The poster was done for the remake, the English remake. So, which was called Let Me In. Let Me In. Which and, is, even that remake's not bad. And it's, it's not bad. Good. My, my problem with it, and it's one of those ones where I would have to, like, men in black my brain to erase the thought, but I saw them so close together. Like, right. That it's almost like it was like a, a Gus Van Sant psycho movie where it, it was, a lot of it seemed to be like a shot-for-shot remake. Yeah. So it was good. It looked good. The actors were good. But I'm like... But the Swedish... You know, original is is far superior. Yeah, sure. and I was like, and I, I just saw this movie, and usually with a remake, the, if there's some reason for it, you know, like there, it, it's a different generation, it's it's a different cultural look, it's it's uh, um, a darker look, a lighter look, you know, like if, if you say that Batman '89 from a certain point of view is a reboot of Batman '66, at yeah. least you could say like, oh well, it's it's darker, it's this, yeah. it's that. Um, but nowadays the the Frank Oz directed one called, what was it called? Something Funeral. Alan Tudyk's in it, and it's a British film. Oh, Death at a Funeral? Death at a Funeral. And then a movie came out, again, very fast, but it was, instead of being a British film, it was a shot in the States, mostly black actors. Yeah, that, yeah that, was, that was the remake. And again, there was nothing wrong with it, but it was just the same movie with yeah. maybe like Chris Rock or Martin Lawrence kind of ad-libbing a couple of things yeah. here and there. So it's a, like a literal remake. Like, and on top yeah. of it, um, Peter Dinklage played the same role. In both, yeah. In both. So that's weird. <laughs> well, one of the weirdest examples is um, the last Exorcist movie that they did. Oh, yeah. Where there's two versions. They did Exorcist, the beginning. Or no, they did. It was called, um, they eventually called it Dominion prequel to The Exorcist. Paul right. Schrader, who wrote Taxi Driver, yeah, uh, did... Um, Exorcist 4. Right. And the studio was like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah. We don't, you know, so we'll spend millions of more dollars and hire a new director to redo it. And there's two versions of Exorcist 4. Yeah. And they're kind of the same movie, but not quite. Like, Stellan Skarsgård is in both, right. playing the same character, doing a lot of the same things. But the, some of the supporting characters yeah. in each film are different actors. So that, that's kind of an eerie experience watching them back to back. It is, yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a good kind of, even if the movies aren't good, it's an interesting kind of film school experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And what is it? Rennie Harlan did the other one, right? Yeah. Which is out of left field again. Yeah. <laughs> so the Paul like, Schrader version is a lot more interesting. But yeah. watching them, you got to see them both back to back. Yeah. It's sort of like not a remake, but a do over. Yeah, and, and what they released. One theatrically and then put both out on, I guess, at the time, DVD. Yeah. Yeah, I think if, if you get the Exorcist box, that it, you get it's all in there. All of it, yeah. And that's so, that's so rare that then the studio would just not sit on one, that they'd say, oh, here you go. Well, they like, spent all that money. I guess so, yeah. On essentially one movie, and, like, neither of them were really 
successful. You yeah. Know? So if they make a couple of bucks selling a few DVDs to some horror nerds or yeah, getting it on the TV yeah. channel. Uh, yeah, so that's our new films this week. Then we have our monthly kids club this Sunday afternoon. The Iron Giant. I, I can't recommend this movie enough, uh, especially if you are a fan of this film, and I've tried to spread this word in case you're listening to this after Sunday. Uh, not only is it The Iron Giant, it's what they call the signature edition. Director's cut. Director's cut, essentially. And it's got a couple scenes that, if I got this correctly, were, if you watch the Blu-ray or the DVD... They were unfinished scenes. So they, they put those on the DVD, uh, just kind of storyboard style with the voiceover. So they took those couple of scenes and have put them back in the film and finished the animation and all that kind of stuff. So it's not, it's not one of those director's cuts that, that is like The Exorcist that's you know greatly different. But it's about three minutes longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they went in and just kind of did the kind of normal like restoring the sound and picture quality but it's kind of like the Brad Bird thumbs up approved film. Yeah. And sadly, this was a, a giant flop when it came out. But uh, has a bit of a cult following. Oh, yeah. And, and again, sadly, it's kind of one of the movies people point to to be like, it was the death of traditional animation because it came out. This is like 1999. Yeah. And then, and then a couple years later or a little while later, Titan A.E., which I was, remember that movie with which Matt Damon. Was a Don Bluth film, who is a yeah. genius of animation. And then Disney put out a couple of films like uh, Home on the Range, which is about cows with Roseanne Barr. Right. And, and it, it was not good. I, I love animation, but it was not good. <laughs> so there was like three or four classically animated films in a row. And, that was, and then at the same time was the boom of like Pixar movies and Shrek. And it just, that skewed things off. So it was, although this movie does have a bit of CG in it, it was one of the last, like, traditional hand-drawn 2D cartoons. And I love it. And uh, Vin Diesel's in it, almost akin to his Groot role, where he doesn't <laughs> say much. Uh, but it's a, it's a beautiful film and a rare chance to see this on the big screen, so do come out to see that. And then our other retro film this week is our Saturday Night Cinema. Yeah, I'll be introducing that this weekend because Lee who normally is the host of cinema, is uh, camping this weekend. So He's away. He asked me to take the reins. So, yeah. So, so we'll be screening something really cool. Yeah. And if you're a member, it's free. Yep. And, uh, yeah, free for members. And and uh, there, there's understandably always a bit of confusion about what free means sometimes, but uh, anybody can come. Just if you're not a member, you can buy a membership at the box office. And really, from that point of view, even if you never come back, and I can't imagine you're listening to this if you would never come back, yeah. but it means you just bought a membership card for $10 and our non-member ticket price is $10. Yeah. So it's kind of just like you've come to a movie. Yeah. Uh, but it's the loophole of being free and yep. that's what allows us to do these kind of fun secret screenings that it's a, a uh, members-only kind of thing. Uh, so that, that's, uh, yeah, this Saturday night in our late, late slot at 11.15. 11.15. Uh, Highly we- recommended. Um, it's always a good time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so come check out that it's, out. It's something that, it, it's, you know, we can't tell you what yeah. it is, obviously, but it's usually something that you're not going to find on Netflix or... No, and know. often something that you've never heard of before. Yeah, yeah, people, people show up, they don't know what they're in for. The movie that we end up showing, they've never heard of. Yeah. And they, you know, we've had people who are like, oh, my God, that, that was the greatest thing. And Oh, yeah. And, and it, it, it is, like, no matter how big of a movie geek you are, the amount of movies that have been made is staggering. Yeah. And the problem is, they keep on making more stuff I want to see. 
and they keep on making more comic books I want to read. And it make, you, you never catch up. And so, like, I think I'm a pretty giant movie nerd, and half the time the movies for Saturday Night Cinema, I look at it and I'm like, I've never heard of that. Whether it's an old, you know, grindhouse-type film, yeah. driving classic kind of film. And a lot of times it'll be somebody you know is in the movie, but they made so many movies back in the day. You look at an actor who was working as a character actor through the 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. and it's just a ton of output because yeah. it was it was quicker turnaround, shorter shoots, yeah. lower budgets, you know, had yeah. to work more. It was none of this, like, you know, Harrison Ford making one well, movie Hollywood, a year. Well, Hollywood was back in the studio system where Hollywood was making, you know, yeah. hundreds of movies every year. Yeah. Now they make, you know, 20 movies a year. Yeah, like a, like a major studio will make yeah. a movie a month maybe, whereas back then, like a driving classic kind of, uh, company was doing multiple movies a week, yeah. just knocking them out, uh, Ed Wood style. Just like make a poster. Here's a couple bucks. Yeah, you have five shoot days, it in go make five days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's our Saturday night cinema. If you missed this one, it'll be back again next month with a new selection. Uh, and then we had a, we have a couple of new bookings. Yes, uh, hot off the presses. Uh, one is the is a, a Canadian award winning film. It won at, at uh, TIFF. And it is called Closet Monster. Uh, and I just made up the poster for it and put stuff online, so I know not much about it. Mm-hmm. But it's an acclaimed Canadian film. Uh, and we have that starting September 3rd. And then there was a couple of bookings. Well, we have another um, Korean genre oh, film right. coming yes. up. Because Train to Busan was... I wasn't here, but it was super successful. Well, I came to see Train to Busan on... It's last night, whenever that was, Wednesday or Thursday, and uh, we, uh, my friend and I parked on Euclid, next door to us here, and we're walking towards Quinn's, and we can see a lineup, and at first, I thought it might have been people going into Quinn's, that it was like, you know, they had a guy playing guitar or something in there, but it was for us, and it was a large Asian quotient to the, the ticket buyers that night, yeah. which I want to find out what happened because a very positive chain of events happened because we've been doing very well with with Asian films lately the last two Korean films in particular um, The Wailing yeah and Train to Busan were you know good turnouts yeah so the, in, in the same way that when we have a rental and it's like a uh, an Indian film mm-hmm. and and like every single Indian family in the Ottawa area comes to see it yeah I think we got on to uh, I'm just going to ask somebody next time. I think we got onto like a, a, a Korean community group or something. Yeah. Because there was a lot of folks here that either was clear hadn't been here before and were coming to see a Korean film. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully we'll – I love showing foreign films and mm-hmm. films like that people have never heard of before. And, and Train to Busan was just, just great. And uh, so, yeah, so this new one called The Tunnel, which – uh, I haven't even made a poster for it yet, so I don't even. I haven't even looked at the link for it yet. But uh, the tunnel. Let's. It's. Uh, I'm going to go home this afternoon and make up a couple new posters, so that'll be on social media by the time you listen to this. A man is tr- a man on his way home. Uh, a man is on his way home when the po- poorly constructed tunnel he is driving through collapses, leaving him trapped. Ah. So it's like a scary claustrophobic yeah. kind of movie. Yeah. There was one. I don't know if it was Canadian, but uh, Ryan Reynolds was in it. Oh, Buried? Buried. Yeah. I really I guess it's a little similar, yeah. similar to that. Could, could have been boring, but I liked Buried a lot. 
And speaking of horror, yep. we have, um, for fans of uh, Don Coscarelli, I guess, yeah. and horror, classic horror, we have uh, the new Phantasm film, Phantasm Five Ravager. Which is great. It's, uh, man, like what, like a 20-something-year-old franchise that, yeah. that he has been involved with from day one. He Although he didn't direct this one. Which is weird. I don't know why. Um, but he wrote it and produced it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, this is the first of the five that he didn't direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a filmmaker I'm very fond of who I wish worked more. But mm-hmm. I think he's just, you know, he's in the trenches and it's so hard to make a movie. So yeah. I'm sure he would like to make a movie every two years, but sometimes it takes five or seven years. But the last two films he directed were Bubba Hotep and John Dies at the mm-hmm. End. And I'm a big fan of both of those. Yeah. Uh, and then he's been a part of some cool projects like um, Masters of Masters Horror. Of Horror. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so really cool... The Masters of Horror episode he did was really good because a lot of those anthology things are really hitting. It's nice. always, yeah, for sure. But the one he did, I forget something off the mountain road. I forget what it was called, but it was, it was yeah. one of the better episodes. He's very talented, and, and I'm, I'm always happy to see a new bit of work from him, even though he's not directing this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his fingerprints are definitely on it, and he's out on the, on the publicity circuit right now getting the word out about it. Well, that starts on October 7th, and yes. I'm sure in October we're going to be you know getting a... Yeah, a I think, large uh, I think output of horror titles. That's the first of our our Halloweeny bookings that we know of, besides yeah. for Rocky Horror Picture Show, which of course we will have the big Rocky Horror Party uh, around the Halloween yeah. season. The um, insanity will will yeah. commence. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, yeah, so I guess that about wraps it up for this week. Yeah, visit us at uh, MayfairTheater.ca and on Twitter and Facebook. Everywhere. And uh, go to House of Targ, yep. our friends across the street, and have some pierogies, play some pinball. Yep. And go to audibletrial.com slash Podcast to download a free audiobook. Yep. What can we recommend this week? Um, it is completely unrelated, but I will just say what I am listening to at the moment is uh, Colin Quinn's audiobook. Oh, cool. Uh, cool. I like him. I guess that counts as a asterisk of a movie guy because he's in a handful of movies. Um, and it's just basically him talking about uh, a comedic look at race relations growing up in New York yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's been in uh, a few films, a few comedy films. Trainwreck. He was Train great Rack. in Trainwreck. He was great in Trainwreck, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm listening to right now. And I like those kind of books because it's... It's Personal. him reading it, yeah. so it just oh, feels yeah. like yeah. You're, you're at a one-man show. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's what I'm listening to right now that you could hear on your Audible thing. Um, yeah, so that's about it for this week, mm-hmm. and uh, we will see you next time.